everyone, welcome to another episode of Movie Mastery, the podcast where we watch the movies that you tell us to. I am your host, John. With me, as always, your co-host, Jeff. Greetings! And with me, not as always, a a new cover to the movies here. Oh, he's been on lots of episodes. Oh, he's never been on an episode before. Brand new! But he is brand new, too. The Garage. Hello, heroes. Do you <laughs> hear my sonorous tones coming to you with a rich audio soundscape that has been created in the System Mastery Garage? That's, That's right. right. James we- D'Amato here with only the cheapest of microphones that we could give him to make him sound shittier We've so that doing- it would be like us. I We've should made- have brought one of my own good microphones with me and just refused to use I- your microphones. I have good microphones. I have two microphones that are worth like, I don't know, 700 each or something like that. But we're not going to let you use them. We don't (laughs) use them because they suck. They pick up the entire shitty garage we're in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, since we can't possibly make this space good for good microphones, shitty mics sound better. This is a thing that I'm actually glad is making it to air. This is an important lesson that podcasters need to learn, especially like folks who are getting inspired to make their own shows. Don't spend too much money on a microphone. It makes it worse. Yeah. Yeah. If you're in a professional recording space where you have a ton of baffling and everything's great and you've got all the money in the world to spend on that, sure. But if you're like, I'm in my bedroom, I'll use a very expensive mic, you're going to hear everything that sucks. You're throwing money away. You'll be able to hear your mattress. And and I should point this out as well. We have made more than 10 years of content. And if you were to line it all up together, you'd be listening to it 24 hours a day for like two months. And I have never had a complaint that we should have bought more expensive microphones. That has never happened. So if you, I mean, lots of other complaints. Oh, yeah. Tons of other. So complaints. many. Yeah. And a lot of them justified. Yeah. A lot of them specifically say they can hear that we're naked. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's a common complaint. And you know, Look, I have never podcasted this way before. And I got to tell you, fellas, it's freeing. Liberating, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, Look, it's good I mean, debate. I think the audience can tell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just, it makes for better it's audio. just like if you can hear if somebody's smiling. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You can hear if somebody's comfortable with their body. Uh-huh. That's right. And everyone can hear I am not comfortable with your body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my body, I've designed it to be challenging, especially to someone like you. <laughs> it's your body very is artistic a- and challenging. Yeah. Uh, your body is a Disneyland. <laughs> I don't want you to walk away crowded. feeling good. I want you to walk away asking questions. <laughs> <laughs> You've got like the Koyanakatsi of bodies. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, we watched Warriors of Virtue from 1997. <laughs> I cannot think of a more appropriate intro bit to Warriors of Virtue. <laughs> right? What a great segue into Warriors of Virtue. Yeah, which I think both of you had heard of before we, we did that. I, I had not. I think I saw it. This yeah. is the thing. I remember nothing about this film, but I feel like I think there was a trailer for this movie before the Power Rangers movie. That is entirely possible, given that Warriors of Virtue is basically a... Power Rangers Ninja Turtles mashup that sucks a lot. Yeah. <laughs> the Tau of, Pindra- of uh, Power Rangers slash Ninja Turtles is pretty much what this is. 
it sucks more than you think, and it's earnest in all the wrong places. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ernest shows up, which is weird. Yeah. This well, really feels like a movie would you would so see. much better. Ernest scared Dallast. Yeah. <laughs> if someone came up to you on the street and said, hey, would you like to come to our center and watch a free movie? I feel like this is the, the kind of movie you could expect yeah. to follow that. You're absolutely right. This yeah. is a cult hook. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... I could see this being some L. Ron Hubbard shit, sure. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't want to say cult, because it's just Taoism, but but still, like, it's so weirdly heavy-handed about it that... You, that- you, you show up to the, a few meetings, and, like, by meeting five, they're like, by the way, that movie was real. It all happened. <laughs> all there of- are ruse, yeah. and they are warriors of virtue, and... You need to be the new warrior of benevolence. Oh, you've made it to our coveted five timers club. Okay, well, here's our first new rule. We get to choose who you marry. <laughs> <laughs> and I know what you're thinking, and it's a kangaroo guy. Yeah, <laughs> Of course, it's a kangaroo man. Oh, by the way, the movie's got kangaroo people in it. Yep. It, it is wild because both myself and... And James immediately had the reaction of, oh, they had leftover costumes from Tank Girl yeah. for this. I mean, yeah. I, I got where you were coming from. I feel like these are both a little better and a little worse than the Tank Girl co- uh, or Ripper outfits. I think if listeners are out there who, like, who watch Tank Girl and were like, well, I got kind of horny about that. Good news. There's an entire, like, this genre of perversion has continued into another movie. You don't got a jacket to just one movie anymore. Yeah. I never did. There's lots of Lori Petty movies. Oh, wait, you guys are talking about the kangaroos. Kai kangaroo people. Oh, okay, the yeah. Rose. All right, sure. I'm up to speed again. <sighs> yeah, so it's Warriors of Virtue. Warriors of Virtue is an isekai, and it is extremely 90s. Yeah. yeah. Like, extraordinarily Main 90s. Main character's got that Jonathan Taylor Thomas hair, you know. Oh, that, that full middle part, and then just... So Power Rangers, so Ninja Turtles, everything feels so 90s. To the point where they allude to all of those franchises, like, in the script. They allude to all of the best 90s kids franchises. Power Rangers, Ninja Turtles, Apollo 13. Apollo 13, (laughs) yep. yep, yep, That's right. There's a Houston We Have a Problem reference where you can feel the unease coming off the kid when he has to say it. Because he's like, I don't know what, what... like, I'm barely even familiar with Houston. Houston's a city for old people. I'm a young, vital man. <laughs> As everyone knows. I like American football. <laughs> uh, so the non-spoiler review is, I didn't have a terrible problem with this, honestly, in, I think, a couple ways. It isn't great. It's not a good movie. Yeah. No, no, it certainly isn't. But it's not terrible i'll tell you of the 90s kid franchises we have had to watch to to endure on the show it is leagues ahead of three ninjas high noon at mega mountain literally exactly what i was going to bring up i was like this is no three ninjas and that's good yeah it's better than that uh but worse than almost anything else you could think of i I would say yeah this is a watchably weird flick yeah the thing is a i don't think it is weird enough to be like to support its own weight this would have to be a movie that you're watching with your friends to be like we want to revisit the weird failed 90s franchises like i feel like uh steel 
uh, yeah, Shaq Steel film. Yeah. Like that's something that supports its own weight. And then you've got films like Star Kid, uh, yeah. which like doesn't support its own weight, but people were clearly trying something because they smelled that Ninja Turtle Power Ranger. And one hundred percent got recommended yeah. to me as soon as the film you watch, was done. If you yeah. watch, Tubi, Tubi was like, "Yo, you want to watch Star Kid?" Star Kid now? starts next. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got your film sorted for a while. Yeah, then, boy. I'm sure when Star Kid's <laughs> over, it immediately queues up Zathura. Yep. All right, we will be back after a little music with the full in-depth spoiler review of 1997's Warriors of Virtue. We are back, and it is time to discuss... The Warriors of Virtue. Mm, oh, well, not really. First, it's time to discuss young Ryan Jeffers. Oh, Ryan Jeffers. That's his name? Yep, Jeffers. Ryan Jeffers. So, uh, listeners, I, I do want you to know that I had what I think is the optimum watching experience for this movie, which is being extremely tired because you woke up at 4.30 a.m. and trying to nap, but also watching it while a screaming baby is in the room with you. <laughs> yeah. I think that's how they intended you to yeah, see this. That film. definitely is. Yeah, that's optimal. Yeah, and plus, I think you watch this on very short notice because, uh, as we mentioned before the break, uh, we are going to be doing some events at Comic Con here in San Diego yep. this weekend, and James is here to do them with us. Uh, and so he messaged me or us when he he uh, got settled in his hotel room and said, "Hey, what are you guys up to?" And I was like, "Watch Warriors of Virtue. You're recording tonight." <laughs> <laughs> I think you mean what are we up to? I got that is some GGG shit right there. So that, that big respect for that. I really like. I, I kind of like the idea of you just telling me, "Hey, watch Warriors of Virtue." We're not going to podcast about it. <laughs> oh, you're looking for stuff to do in San Diego? What watch. we mostly do is sit around and watch '90s kangaroo Hong Kong action cinema. Yeah. <laughs> uh now this is the uh, American. English debut of Ronnie Yu mm-hmm. uh, had done a bunch of Chinese Hong Kong action films. Yeah. This is the first time he gets to come and do uh, English language stuff, does Warriors of Virtue, and then immediately goes on to do Bride of Chucky and Freddy vs. Jason, which <laughs> fucking rules. Yeah. It's You're like, oh, I finally time. made it to the big time, and I'm like, baby, yes, you did. That's fantastic. That's one of my favorite arcs for directors is Lexi Alexander, who was like, did like small uh, foreign language love stories, and then somehow got offered a Punisher movie, and was <laughs> like, fine, I'll move to America and direct a Punisher movie. Who cares? <laughs> who could possibly and care? Art is dead. And then she matters. went on to direct Punisher Warzone, easily the best Punisher movie so far. And her secret, she just walked into a comic book store and bought a bunch of Punisher episode, or, or issues and was like, I'll just do this stuff. I'll just make the Punisher, I yeah. guess. Here's the thing. I guess I'll just make a guy that shoots people. So <laughs> uh, I got a question. What's this guy's most recent flick? Uh, God, I... Because Freddy vs. Jason's pretty pretty recent. I just want to I want to know if, if, if he's still working. I have to assume so. Uh, last thing I've got is 2013, because he went back to doing like Chinese films. And so saving general Yang is the last thing I have on here for him. Okay. All right. Okay. That's 2013. Yeah. Wow. 
Uh, he also did something, The 51st State, with uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Okay. I've heard of that. Okay, yeah. sure. All right. But uh, yeah, we should probably get right into what the opening of this is like. Uh, and, and remind me, does it open with... I think it opens with him... Oh, no, that's right. He's reading that Comics absolutely atrocious toilet. comic book on the toilet. Yeah. yeah. It's black and white with, like... I, I'm trying to describe... I, at first, I was like, this art is terrible. And then for a second, I thought, oh, the kid drew it. That's what they're trying to imply. And then I realized, no, he didn't draw it. This art is just terrible. No, it's not it's, indicative of anything. It's There's no uh, there's no words in it either. I think what no. happened is they did their best to license some action comic book with, with kung fu stuff going on in it and realized eventually it would be cheaper to hire an artist to just draw some pages yeah. than it would be to get any license. And that's what we see. And that's why it's... You know, completely no color, barely any inking or anything done. Yeah. It is just rough sketches of some barely intelligible kung fu going on. And yeah. they cut back to the same panels over and over again. And I got to say, it is extremely 90s. Like, yeah. everything about well, it I is mean, 90s. It, it is also so 90s because the entire setup is busy mom who is a real estate agent yep. has to be like, Okay, Ryan, you got to feed yourself. I'm a business mom. Yeah, the early 90s were so obsessed with latchkey kids. And specifically, I feel like the real estate agent mom yeah. that turns you into a latchkey kid is such an oddly... Sp it's like being an architect in a sitcom. Yes. It's just one of those things that you're like, oh, yeah, this is yeah. a shorthand. You don't need to do anything else. Nobody knows how this job works. Yeah. And then there's a whole thing there where I thought it was going to matter because, again, I had no idea that this movie was going to divert heavily into kung fu kangaroo territory. Um, is the dog that belongs to this family is following the mom out to the car. And she's like, no, no, don't follow me. Go make sure that Ryan eats his breakfast. And the dog runs in, gets a piece of toast off for some reason, a stack of 12 pieces of toast that, well, it's clearly, that standard yeah. movie breakfast. It's like, I made you breakfast, 27 eggs and 15 <laughs> yeah. pieces of toast. This kid is alone and doesn't eat much. You don't need to make one piece of toast, let alone a giant tower of them. But the dog gets a single piece and carefully goes up through the bathroom window and drops it so that the kid will have the toast. And I'm like, ah, hyper smart dog. Part of this. Nope. nope. Last dog scene. I thought in my head, I was thinking because I knew that the whole plot of this is kid gets isekai to another world where there are these warriors of virtue. I was like, the dog's going to go with the dog turns anthropomorphic. The oh, dog is part of it. That and it been didn't great. happen, and I was very sad. Yeah, no. that, that's a better way to do it. No, I kept expecting this to do the the classic uh, movie shorthand isekai thing where, you know, like the, the Mr. Darling slash Captain Hook, where you have the same actor play both. Yeah, uh -huh. the people you meet in yeah, the Yeah, I kept expecting to world. see that, and I, I couldn't tell if they did it or not, because I thought the, the main love interest slash betrayer looked similar to the Winnie Cooper-esque love interest in the real world, yeah. but it was a different person. Yeah, I I had the same thought. I was like, "Oh, we're definitely going to see the these two people be the same." And then I was also thinking, "Oh, we don't see the dad for the entire beginning of this, but we also hear from the mom. The dad isn't gone. He's just like dead or anything. He's around. He's just not here at the moment. He's yeah. on some level. So like, oh, that's our villain. Yeah, yeah. He's going to show up at the end of the movie and be like." Hey, son, and it's going to be the same guy who played the villain. Nope. Yeah. They, 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 I, you know, they really veered pretty hard away from this trope because I also was looking for the cook the whole time. Yeah, right. Which we got to segue and talk about this cook because I feel like I didn't absorb a key plot point because we, we cut from this to uh, an extremely 
and I, I know that this is made by a Chinese director. So like I, I've had to reassess assumptions that I've made about this. This is very fetishized, like Orientalist look at a guy who knows Kung Fu and is also in a kitchen of, of a Chinese restaurant. I mean, to yes. me, it just reminded me of what Batman forever when you have to watch young Robin do the, uh, he's doing the laundry. laundry. He's doing wet laundry kung fu. Well, like, and this isn't bad to me. Like, uh, first of all, you know, I've. The thing is, it was very impressive, the yeah. things that he was no, doing. He's very the, impressive and it's well staged. The choreography is good. It looks fun and whatnot. But he does in the movie literally say ancient Chinese secret twice. Yes. And I'm just like, okay, well, could we not do that one? Maybe. But I mean, one thing I wanted to say very clearly about the dialogue in this movie is that it's very clear that this is one of those movies where the director was like, just read the lines as written. See, and here's <laughs> here's the split. So the characters are based on characters that were made by four Chinese surgeons uh-huh. who had never had anything to do with movies before. And were like, we want to make a movie based on our concept of these kangaroo fighter guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Takes it. And goes to America, gets the production money, gets it sold, is written by two white guys, but then directed by another Chinese director. So you have this sort of split in concept and execution where in the middle, the words are all very <laughs> much written by a couple white guys. Because I was like... Which watch, is wild. I was watching this and being like, this feels bad. This feels so racist. It does. Uh, so, uh, once you get to the isekai, isekai part of the world, these characters will just say Taoist precepts to each other sure. as, as if that's just regular conversation, including characters where that doesn't make sense, like the little boy from Earth who just pops in from not just Earth, but like suburban Los Angeles, mm-hmm. is dropped into, you know, a sort of mythical Chinese underworld scenario and immediately starts discoursing basic Taoist philosophy principles. Well, we, we, we are getting ahead of ourselves, boys, because I, I sure. do want to unpack, because he goes to this restaurant and visits with this cook who works at this restaurant. Sure. Yeah, his friend Ming, who owns a restaurant. Doesn't own, he just works no, there. No, he just works there. Nope, it's his restaurant. It's he, Ming's. He's the owner? Yeah, the restaurant is Ming's. I thought the but owner would have been the How come there's a dude bossing him around guy. and yeah, trying to get in exactly. trouble? There is an old guy there who never talks oh, back to Ming. Oh, I think doesn't like the kid. I just I figured he was like oh. Ming Sr. or something. Okay, yeah. So there is a lot that I was unclear on. I I know that they go to this restaurant frequently. That is a line put in. I don't understand why Ming is so invested in this one latchkey kid. It's, it's interesting because we know that they have gone there, but the kid's like, hey, we've gone there like nine times. And I go, nine times is not enough for this dude to be your father figure. For you to just wander into the kitchen whenever you want. And it's enough that everyone but this one grumpy older guy is just like, yeah, this is a thing that happens. We're I mean, fine with that. You can tell why Ming is deeply invested in this kid after you realize that there's two white screenwriters. It's because the little kid is a little white kid who has a minor disability and probably needs some ancient wisdom from so he needs to be Bagger Vanced by somebody. Bagger, I, I can't believe you would call it Bagger Vanced instead of Mr. miyagi uh, w- Like, I, I mean, it, as far as white savioring goes, mm-hmm. I would say this movie at least doesn't go as far as I thought it was going to. No. Because the kid isn't the one to be like, and I save, and it's sure. me, I save the day. Like, he is definitely Involved. instrumental, yeah. but it's more like, Oh, the kid basically fridges himself to help the heroes. See, I think, I don't, I don't know. I, I would agree with you on the Mr. Miyagi thing. I, I'm just used to the trope 
being called the magical Negro trope. Yes. And, and I, yes. I don't feel like I need a new trope for j- just for because it's the exact same thing. It's just that it's an Asian guy. Yeah. Yeah. R- regardless, like this guy is way over invested in this kid. Yeah. This kid has free reign over the kitchen of this restaurant, which is extremely busy and also quite dangerous. And the like I I don't understand and it, the movie never pauses to explain why these characters care so much and, about and each we, other. Let me ask you guys that did you notice that the kid had any kind of disability before the movie told us textually? No. And I think that that was kind of a point is they they wanted they wanted to introduce that plot point when they introduced yeah, it. Cause yeah, cuz up until we get him after this on a football field where he is the water boy uh, every scene we have of Ryan is him sitting down. He's sitting on the toilet reading comics. He's sitting on the stairs at this restaurant. Mm-hmm. And then finally, when we get him standing on this football field and he goes to walk out, you're like, oh, he's got a brace on his leg. I didn't notice. I just thought he was sad. Like when, yeah. he, was, he, when, he, when he walks away from a conversation, he has kind of a heavy gait because he's got a brace on one leg. And I thought he was just walking sad. Oh, like, see, now if your sound was turned up, you would hear the clunky brace oh. ADR they put in there. Yeah, I didn't hear that. I just every step he takes is... Yeah. Literally, until his friend Chucky was like, you can't play football because of your leg. I thought he couldn't play football because he was a full two feet shorter than all the other kids when his he age. Is, when he is uh, first walking on to the establishing shot of the football field, he walks in front of the camera and there's this kind of like shot that's looking up at him and you can see the leg brace okay. like, pretty clearly. I was actually pretty impressed with how they introduced the disability plot point on this. Hey, it's that's like, fair. You know, we've been introduced to this kid as a person and we get his personality and interests. And then we, we learn about this disability and the disability only comes up in how it is, you know, affecting how people are perceiving him yeah, and what he fair. perceives he can do. And I also love that. I mean, doesn't really matter going ahead, but when he does go <laughs> yeah. into when he gets isekai and he's like, my leg works, this fucking rules. And I was like fuck don't have this kid come back and be like and now my my leg is better disability gone and the lesson learned is get magic but the (laughs) fact that he comes back and it's like no it's fine i don't that's not a thing i cared about it because i wanted other people to like me yeah and i thought i needed to not have a disability for that to happen and then when he comes back from the other world and he's like no i just i like me for me and i appreciate the people that like me for me i was like Oh, fuck, thank God. Okay, good. Good, we're not doing that. Um, yeah, so, like, he he's the water boy on this football team, uh, and they introduce, like, the first villain, the, the, the real-world villain of this piece, uh, like, a clone of Biff from Back to the Future. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Like, uh, the couple t- shy, uh, uh, scenes in this movie where they make sure to show you the flash of his ear stud, so you know he's got an he's oh, got he's a, a bad boy. He's a bad boy. And he's also dressed like one of the characters from Hackers. Oh, yeah. So you know, it's super 90s. And yep. the, the Brad, the captain of the football team. The first thing he does, like he hands Brad the water or whatever. Brad does say thank you. And I think he says like, thank you with a slur. But I didn't pick that up the first time. So it's just like, oh, he the first thing he did is thank the acknowledge and thank the water boy. This is interesting. The football guy is going to be nice in this movie. Yeah, there's some weird stuff. <laughs> and that. there's I feel that it actually is coded to be that yeah. because he is nice to the kid. And then as soon as the coach makes a shitty call on a play, fucks mm-hmm. off, 
And then Ryan is like, hey, this one tight end has been fucking going in on this side the whole time. If you fake a pass and then you run, like quarterback sneak your way up in there, you can go on the left side and you'll be free to go. Because I've been watching this whole game. I am tactically great at football somehow. And the there's a beat where you know Brad is thinking about it and he's like oh and then the other football players are like shut the fuck up and that's when he goes yeah no. and spits at him and he goes get out of here yeah so well, i feel like brad Brad's feels like he's been peer pressure there's yeah. multiple weird peer pressure moments throughout the the, the uh cuz there's also a point when we get to the isekai transformation sequence where he falls into the the weird pit that'll take him down there where it's basically a, a kid's schoolyard dare to cross a sewage thing by, on, a, on a narrow pipe to get to the other side and tag the wall over there. Yeah. A- and b- he's trying to convince this kid to do it. And the idea is, oh, th- uh, Ryan should not be doing this. He's got a leg brace. He probably shouldn't be doing a narrow balancing act routine. Um, and everyone's calling out our bi- our villain for that. They're like, he can't do it. He's got this leg brace on. And he goes, fine, I'll do it first. And then he crosses and continues trying to get the kid to come across. And when Ryan accepts the peer pressure and tries to cross he switches from jeering to genuinely supportive yeah. oh yeah he's over and there like come on man you can do this and there's a point where i mean the reason he gets knocked down in there is a drainage pipe that spews water and he's like dude you gotta move faster come on man he's like genuinely worried like we don't know when that pipe is going to blow water you have to go fast come on man just just come to me and it seems like he is genuinely like Please just make it across. Yeah, it yeah. was like one of those things where like this is supposed to be the initiation ritual or whatnot. And it does seem like there was like an earnest thing that they were trying to do with it. There's a lot more nuance to this bully yeah, character. Because, yeah. The bully, I mean, Brad does, after spitting on Ryan's shoes and then going and doing the play and doing Ryan's play and scoring and winning the game. And, and like, yeah, trying to take credit for it without mentioning the kid or and, whatever. Ryan's best friend, Chucky. then when uh, prophetically he, named Chucky, yep, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. When Chucky sees Brad and his friends go by, and he's like, "Hey, good job winning that game with Ryan's play, dick bag." And then he like straight up does a uh, the Akira slide on his bike, and they. Show I up. love that. Oh yeah. yeah, and they fucking whip around and come back, and then Brad's like. Yeah, dude, that was a great call. And I'm like, fuck Thank you. this guy. It's I'm good call. getting whiplash. Thank you. It's, yeah. it's, and he's still, like, it is still the kind of 90s bully psychopath menacing. Yeah, he's like, like menacing still. Where you're still looking at going like, oh, this is this guy's going to stab and murder these children. Yeah. Like, they're dead. And they definitely do that thing where these two kids, the, the two friends, are like a good foot and a head shorter yeah. than all these other kids. You're oh, like, yeah. are they even in the same grade? No. But, I mean, definitely this, the fact that he's like, oh, I should be playing football. I'm like, those kids are like 16 and you look like you're 12. Yeah. The thing that got me the most in terms of thinking this isn't so much a nuanced written bully as just a confusedly written movie (laughs) is at the end when, when we reverse the event, the, we we basically, the isekai scene gets played again, but this time Ryan is smart enough to go, no, I'm not going to do a stupid thing Mm -hmm. and walks away. And then the, the drainage pipe thing still goes off and traps Brad on the wrong side of this, this drainage system. He's stuck over there and he's like, you guys got to help me. And one of his friends goes, huh, swim hard, Brad. And you're like, wait, is that kid? is this him seizing his moment? Like, 
He, this is the first time we've seen any dissension in the ranks or that, that Brad is mean to his own people or anything. Yeah. It's a weird moment. It just feels confusing. I mean, I will say, uh, Michael Dubro is the guy who plays Brad. Mm-hmm. Great job. Yeah. The energy he gives off as this character is awesome. Yeah, he's, he's menacing. The, he is the other person, both of the villains, essentially, in this rule yeah. for yeah. the energy they give off. He's menacing, but on the, at the same token, he is... Pretty much nice most of the time. It's weird. Exactly. It's it's a very strange mix that is a little bit refreshing because of how different it is from a lot of 90s bullying stories. It's basically Heath Ledger in the first, like, 20 minutes of 10 Things I Hate About You. Sure, yeah. Yeah, before he he becomes the big softie and you're like, oh, I heard that guy, like, went to juvenile hall for eating a bunch of nipples or whatever. And then he's like, he's like... (laughs) He's like, yeah, I did that. In a cereal bowl, just full of them. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, all nipples. Hey, kid, you can't do that. You're going to jail. <laughs> you have to go to kid jail for that. Oh, yeah. No, well, it's because he stole it from the nipple cereal mascot. Uh, and so it was Grand Theft cereal. They'll never get me nipples. <laughs> uh, so, yes, the the bullies show up. And then as soon as... Chucky calls them out and Brad's like, yeah, dude, that was great. You know what? You can hang with us. We're going to be at this old fucking plant if you want to hang out with us tonight. And Chucky, obviously, when they leave, is like, you know, they're going to murder us if we go to this. (laughs) Like, did you see Brad? He seems like a psychopath. Yeah. (laughs) And no, he's just like that. (laughs) That's just Brad. He's the nicest person ever, but he gives off the weirdest energy. Yeah. I really wanted, I really wanted Ryan's response to not be like, no, he'll be, he's just like that to be like, I can change him. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Chuck, uh, Chucky had some weird thing, like that he would go and confront these bullies and attract a bunch of attention from them. But then also had to be put in the role of we can't go do this. Strong we sense can't. of justice. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, look, I want to call out things. I just don't want to hang out with these I'll people. I'll start a fight with this guy. I want to be friends with him because he'll murder us in that context. <laughs> but then even then when he's like, well, I'm going to go to this thing and meet up with them. Uh, you can just go home if you want. And Chucky's like, I didn't say that. I'm going with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I also want to tilt at the popularity wheel. Yeah. Everybody wants a chance. Yeah. Uh, so... That, of course, leads to, we have one more point where the, uh, Ryan has to go home and his mom has made podcast work, passing keys. Hey, I don't give a fuck. I'm handing over my fucking, uh, bottle opener. I don't give a shit. We both have the same bottle opener because we won it in a drinking contest. (laughs) That's how you win bottle openers. (laughs) Uh, Don't step to us when it comes to cider for games. I mean, you can now. Oh I yeah, mean, no, well neither was Drake No, now. but also please don't now. Yeah. <laughs> but but I'm I'm telling you if a contest did break out in which cider I would die I, I would win. I, I would die a winner. That's <laughs> what would happen. Both of you committed to sacrifice for the play. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh so Ryan of course before he can go hang out with these kids goes home. His mom has another bunch of showings for houses apparently showing off houses at like Six o'clock, seven o'clock at night. Uh-huh. Sure, why not? Yep. My and, realtor was never that kind to me, but hey, sure. no, I was like, oh, I, fucking, that's weird. Guess that's that I hustle bustle. A very expensive house. Early nineties L.A. lifestyle. You got it. All these yuppies who are like, I need to be at the gym until exactly six p.m. Yeah, and then I network for one hour because uh, of Tokyo time, and then of course, I, then I need to look at houses. <laughs> so she's like, I made you meal. Uh, it is microwaved lasagna that sucks and has some wonderful. Uh, 
little sound effects that go along with it. Uh-huh. And finally she's like, all right, yeah, I I agree. I, I can't cook as good as dad. This sucks. Which I thought that was going to be more of a thing. I thought the cook was the dad for a second. Yeah. But no, it's just, all right, you can go to Min's. It's Ming's, Mom. God damn. We have been there nine times. This adult man, this adult restaurateur is my best friend. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're going to call that out, you got to call it every time movies do that for no reason. Like Back to the Future that never explains why Marty is friends with an elderly scientist. Oh, because Doc rules. Yeah, because, <laughs> because Doc is a fucking weirdo. That's why. The movie does, I think, actually appreciably explain that. I guess it would make sense, except that in that case, it'd be like, oh, then Doc should have friends all over fucking town. Like, everyone wants to know this crazy, weird man. Unless you were to establish specifically that Marty has a thing for weirdos. And we don't. We know he likes Doc, and he doesn't like being called chicken. No, and Marty, that's what we know. Marty is a loser. I don't want to talk about Back to the Future, but Marty's a loser, and Doc Brown's a weirdo. And that's and how- Doc Brown also kind of a loser. Yeah. That's <laughs> how right. they know each other. I'll accept it. But in that situation, I think we should point out that these two people are also perfect for each other. Like, they belong together. Oh, this yeah. restaurant, yeah. I, do, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't, what's this kid bringing to the fucking table apart from being white? Uh, <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> He's the only person willing to ask this restaurateur about his weird moth cocoon. Yeah. No one else wants to go up and discuss that with him. Yeah, so there are some cult vibes that pop up. Let's let's talk about... First of all, there's a great action scene. There is a truly great action scene in The Trip and Fall. Like, this is my favorite fight choreography in the whole movie, mm-hmm. is the angry older chef tripping over a tomato and getting caught by by our restaurateur by yeah, he he flings four plates up and then you know he spider-man catches them he yeah. spider-man catches them but like the hong kong action cinema thing is also this old chef is falling and he catches him with his foot yeah. on the ground while he's spider-man catches catching the, the, the neck of the old man so that he doesn't hurt himself and then one by one catches and puts down the plates as they fall. I was so excited when I saw that shot. Like like that whole sequence, I I basically took a moment where I was like, I know that we're going to hit a point in the movie where fucking puppets are fighting. And if this is the action sequence that they are doing for like restaurant mishaps, I'm in for a good time. Listeners, I was disappointed by this. <laughs> yeah, movie. here's the thing: you're sadly, not in for a good sadly, time. If it had actually been puppets, there might have been more of them on screen. Uh, it yeah. was. It's guys in kangaroo costumes, yeah. which get just... a little bit of animatronic stuff. Yeah, and then some guys in costumes. All the guys in costumes are just like Doug Jones and so on. So people that do like body work in movies, but, but not, not martial artists. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So they go up to Ming's room. And Ryan is like, hey, what's this weird cocoon thing? He's like, oh, that was a moth cocoon. And I found it, and a moth was struggling, and I opened it up to let him out, and he flew, and then died. Because he didn't get the strength from struggling to get out of his cocoon. And it's the struggle that makes us strong. You hear that, kid? See? That's what he's bringing. He found a kid who can impart, who needs that lesson that he's been keeping this dumb cocoon around for, like, years. Everyone else in the restaurant that he's tried to be like, you know, when I had a moth, and they're like, shut the fuck up, we've oh, heard it for, 20 times, For no God's sake. I, this whole scene had cult vibes Of course me. it does, yeah. Keep pushing just the book like, on him. Exactly. He's just, no, you really need to read my special book. No, I've got some literature here. Yeah. Here, I've got this book of Tao. He keeps, it's just a book of Tao principles, but he keeps calling it a book of ancient Chinese secrets, which is 
Calgon commercial shit. And, and uh, yeah, but he's just like, you need this book of ancient Chinese secrets. He's like, no, nah, I don't need that. I'm going to learn to do things Who's my gonna, own way. Or read an old book. I don't care about wisdom. I want to be on the football team. I'm just going to put this book in your backpack for when you have a moment. Is Taoism going to fix my leg? I Nope. Fuck you, old man. <laughs> I have identified you as a soft target for my weird cult. You will one day work in this restaurant. You are an unhappy child book. without a lot of friends. You are prime real estate. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, he gets this book put into his backpack and then fucks off to go meet Brad and the crew. Mm -hmm. They go into a factory, then into the sewers, mm -hmm. then crawl along in the sewers down another like ladder until they find a whirlpool that it's a giant never flushing toilet yeah, yeah the most insane what could this possibly do for the sewage system and especially like when i was like well i know there's some isekai shit in this so is the are they implying that california just flushes their water into another world yeah. that would explain yeah. the water problems in this state <laughs> i assume that whirlpool was there for in case cartoon rats needed to go on a magic adventure <laughs> that was the point of it like if you're doing a, a, a ratatouille or a flushed away that's the that's the practical set they build for those cartoons sure yeah, yeah. so yeah as we mentioned there's the whole dare to go be initiated you gotta tag your name on the opposite wall he falls into the whirlpool trying to get across and wakes up in a mystical land on the side of a river. Mm -hmm. And then some soldiers show up and very briefly, without being able to see it fully, a kangaroo man beats the shit out of them. <laughs> but not before one of them full on spears his backpack. Yeah. Like tries to murder this little kid and manages to not die kill him just because he has like a game boy in his backpack that it goes through instead but the bad guys get the backpack with the book yep the kid gets mugged by the dude in the red room from twin peaks so that's, yep. that's michael anderson he's one of the he's one of the greats of little person actors but yeah he's he's here playing a a, a little dwarfish creature called mudlap which i love that we never say his name until most of the way through the movie when he tricks uh, Ryan and then Ryan's like, fuck you, Mudlap. I'm like, literally no one has said this dude's name. How do you know that guy's name is Mudlap? No, Are you just a, saying it? That's a cool slur that he came up with. Fuck for you, that. Mudlap. I, I love that. like, damn, that's not my name and stings. Yeah. I, I love that when he tells off Mudlap, it's not so much the, the expected thing, the little kid being mad at him and be like, fuck you, Mudlap. Instead, he, instead he does this whole like, you have betrayed your own principles, and in that you have become a betrayer. <laughs> Be gone from my sight, for I will trouble myself not with the betraying class. Your virtue has withered upon the vine. <laughs> like, all right, all kid, right, sure. Okay, mudlap, fucking mudlap. I guess you really drank a lot of that toilet water and came out the other side like that, huh? You're, you're like, it's less isekai and more like you just were here already. I think if like if a book, if a cult book is like close enough to you, you start. Oh, to that must be it. Yeah. Yeah, it's just osmosis. Uh, so, yes. Then, so, yeah. Uh, Mudlap is there trying to trick him into stuff when he's the fucking, trying to steal shit yeah, from when the kid. fucking childlike empress de descends from the heavens. Yep. And just throws a knife. Just yeah. throws a knife that flings this dude like 20 yards into a tree and pins him there. And then she's like, 
fuck you, mudlap. <laughs> 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 it's like, hey, kid, come with me. We're going to Magic Town. Mm-hmm. Oh, I want to point out the other world. Um, it's trees and mist. Yeah. That's kind of the set that they have for this place because they ran out of money, it seems. I mean, pretty much. We do know that there is more to this world of Tau. Uh, and that is the name of the world, by the way, is Tau. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and that the bad guy has fucked up everything. So this is the last, like, living place. So it's a weird mystical forest with very fakey looking vines. Yeah. yeah. They also have a cave set that looks like it's out of the Goonies and a castle set for the bad guy to mince around in. Yeah. And, yeah. And there's some money there. But yeah. like, yeah, most of the other world stuff is like. We want to obscure as much as possible. There is mist everywhere. Oh, yeah. That's also helpful to cover up the parts of the kangaroo costumes where you can, like, see the zippers and stuff. Oh, yeah. It's it's great for the parts of the kangaroo fight scene when we first meet the Warriors of Virtue, where you can very clearly see a line going down to the ground to where one of them is that will pick them up. Yeah. But whatever. It's, it's, it's great. Um, <laughs> so the kid gets taken to... The the new town, I don't even know if we get a name for the town. No, it's just called The Last Safe Place. Yeah. Uh, but it is also the last of the uh, life springs, is what they're called. There yes. are, the world used to be populated with a bunch of, like, upwelling spots where life is born out. And then the big MacGuffin here is that the villain has been able to drain them of an, of an element that they contain called Zubium. Yep. Uh, and Zubium can, keep, it can unnaturally extend his life. But it destroys the life springs and life springs are where life comes from. So there's not anyone left except for these people around this and the bad guy's army. Yeah. So we have to assume that the rest of the planet has basically withered or whatever realm this is. Don't even know if it's a planet. Who knows? It's also worth to note that Zubium is an entirely unnecessary introduction. You never see any. It's not even a thing. Plenty of people drink it on screen. I'm sorry. Yeah. You do see people drinking from these potion things, but you could just call them wellspring water and you'd be fine. It wouldn't matter at all. Eh. There's there's nothing made out of Zubium other than these potions. You could be like, yeah, he wants to drink the water of the Wellsprings, and once it's all up, then he's, he's killed everybody. Th- then the world has no life coming up anywhere. But then you wouldn't be able to say the word Zubium. That's true. What's a Zubium? <laughs> Bitch, you almost What's made Zubium me laugh? with you? <laughs> Two kinds of responses. Ooh, every kind of response. I don't know. Why don't you Zubium and we'll find out? <laughs> Zubium, I barely know him. So uh, and there's all of them. So uh, we, we get a moment where she starts talking about how all these people are safe here from the army due largely to the efforts of the Warriors of Virtue. Our, our first kind of hint that this movie's actually going to be about like Power Rangers, but Ninja Turtles, um, but kangaroos. And he, he's excited and wants to see them. So all he asks is, what do they look like? And she says, they're ruse. Yeah. And hey, fuck you. They're ruse. They're ruse, which in this universe's parlance is spelled R-U-U-Z. Uh, R-O-O-Z for me. Mm, okay. Uh, but in any event, w- he just kind of goes, oh, and that's the end <laughs> of that. It's, we also get, uh, Alicia is the person that uh, finds him, and she's like, hey, you're a newcomer. There's some legend about a newcomer showing up, and he's like, oh, yeah, they took my backpack that has this book with a symbol on it. What symbol? And... The symbol that was on the book is the same symbol on the weird little boat that they are on. He's like, oh, this. She's like, fuck the manuscript of legend. I love that part when she goes, when he gets hauled off to talk to the instructor guy, like the guy, like the one who trained the ruse. 
and yeah, he's Master like Chung. Master Chung, and he's like, "Yeah, I uh, I came here with a manuscript that might be important." And he's like, "Manuscript? What do you mean manuscript? There's never been an important manuscript. I think it might be the thing you guys call the manuscript of legend." Oh, oh shit, that manuscript. <laughs> Like, that manuscript. And also, I don't think it's a manuscript. It was bound. Yeah, so. I'm pretty sure yeah, it's just a, pretty thing. unlikely. It's more of a book of legend. <laughs> it's definitely printed. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so, yeah, they take him to the town, and Master Chung is like, yo, dude, I want that manuscript of legend. And Ryan's like, fuck you. You want that manuscript? And doesn't even tell him I don't have it. He's like, if you want it, I got to see those fucking ruse first. I want to see Warriors of Virtue. They sound like my favorite toys. Yeah. yeah they sound so toyetic. I would love to see them in action. <laughs> and we get four of them because one of them has left. But we get the Warriors of Wood, Fire, Earth, and Metal uh, because Yun, the Warrior of Water, accidentally killed someone and so left in disgrace because their whole code is you don't kill ever. And I enjoy when uh, they're talking and, you know, Alicia tells him this, that like, oh, Yun left because he killed someone in a Mm -hmm. battle. And he's like, dude, it's a fucking battle. People die. And she is like, it was a life, you piece of shit. He's like, oh, damn, my bad. Yeah. It's wild. I come from a Her, much worse place like, than this. Like, you know, Sorry. not that I, I don't really care about Yo, going through this. Yo, I come from and, Earth where we are very desensitized yeah. to that idea. I generally don't care about going through this in sequence order. So no. it, it turns out to be her brother that got killed. But it's wild because there's a scene towards the end where she has betrayed our, our heroes. And he's like, you betrayed me. How can I trust you? You're a liar. And she goes, a liar? You mean like the warriors of virtue who lied because they said they never kill, but then one of them killed? You mean like that? Like that? Can, I just see him looking bewildered like... Like, this is a while. Why are you laying that on me? I met them yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I get I get you got problems. But. Also, the, the everyone else is trying to kill me. Yeah. But yeah, we get the, the uh, dramatic introductions of the four of them doing their cool martial arts where each one of them's martial arts sequence introduces the next one. Yes. Yeah. So, and they have and way too much stuff going on. This like, is the point of the film where I realize, oh, the cool action scenes are not coming no, back. No, no, we're done with those. And they they try to give everyone a thing. So they're like, all right, we have Lai, the warrior of wood, who's basically the Raphael. He's the, the gruff, grumpy one. We have Chi, the warrior of fire, who's your Michelangelo. Sort of. He's like, ah, I like doing stuff. The thing is, he is shockingly wise. Is one of the things that he gets described as as well. So I don't. Oh yeah, his his virtue is wisdom, but yeah. he never has any of it. Uh, we have Shun, the warrior of Earth, the lady one. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have <laughs> <laughs> Yi, the warrior of metal, the strong one, who has also taken a vow of silence. Yes, because he has a sort of. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a Mr. A or the question view of the world where he thinks everything is either correct or incorrect. And therefore there is no uh, requirement to speak because you can act on anything that is correct and ignore anything that is incorrect. Otherwise you'd have to pay him above scale too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then of course, Yon, the warrior of water is the leader. He is Leonardo. Yeah. And we'll get to him. Now, all of them also have their own special weapon because I mean, this is the thing they have to be Ninja Turtles. I mean, they all have to have their own color scheme, their own thing, their own, but they in this got case, an element, they yeah. got a, uh, a virtue. virtue, they got a weapon, they yeah. got a color. Yeah, but their their virtues are co- convoluted because they keep referring to them by that. So like Yun, for example, the one in charge of them is the virtue of benevolence. 
Yep. And it's not that he possesses the virtue of benevolence. He is the virtue of benevolence. But people will call him benevolence or virtue of benevolence throughout this. And it's, it's complicated. And it's like one of those things where you can tell the people who created this wanted to convey this message yeah. through the thing. And they've layered all the other confusing things on top of it because it appears that everybody else who does this has to layer a bunch of confusing nonsense on top of it to get it to work. I just really like the Chinese equivalence to the uh, the, the Ninja Turtle weapons where we where Shun has like a Dao, like she has the curved Chinese blade. Mm-hmm. And then the, my favorite is, what's his name? Yi, the metal one, yeah. who has that, just has rings. Big metal ring. Just big metal ring yeah. that he puts over his shoulders a lot. That's neat. The worst one is the uh, the Michelangelo one. Yeah, which is she, just the like, fire guy. It's just sparklers on the end of a string. It looks yeah. like nothing. He's got a chain with sparklers on it. Uh, but two of them have swords. Because there's five of them, and they couldn't quite come up with enough. So both Shun and Yun carry swords. It's just that Shun carries a real kind of sword, and Yun carries a stupid one. Yeah. Yun carries one a that very sword. looks like he broke it off of the aggro crag. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the We get the whole introduction of them, and then we get the, uh, the like, yeah, Yun's not here. He killed someone. It sucks. And Ryan's like, I'm sure I can help with that. <laughs> They're like, yeah, sure. Great. Sure you're you a white kid. Why not? Give it a shot. And, yeah, then, yeah, why and, not? and then, you know, here's a fun spoiler alert. He does. It takes him like five seconds. Oh, yeah. He goes out into the forest where he immediately gets caught by the main villain's henchman and Lady spider woman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Yun shows up, beats the shit out of them. They run away. And then Yun goes to leave and he's like, hey, you wimp. Why don't you do your job? And Yun's like, fucking good on you, kid. I never thought about it like that. we Will do. <laughs> and that's it. And then they walk back together. We're done. We're, Yun that's is back. In, we have no time for the reconnecting of the five storyline. It's just done. Yeah. Uh, now, of course, we were introduced to these hench people at Komodo's place. Komodo is our main villain, played by Angus McFadden. Robert the Bruce. Robert the Bruce from Braveheart who is going full yeah. scenery consumption. That's he does the thing so- is they had so much mist because he ate a lot of the yeah. scenery. That they oh, yeah. It's, down. it's, it it's like Silent Hill. All of the scenery had to be replaced with mist because they couldn't render it. It had all been Yeah, eaten. yeah, yeah. He does so much just yell, uh, incoherent or yelling or screaming throughout this, where he's just, he'll punctuate regular sentences with, bah! And he, anyway. like, Prances around. He's like, "Oh, I shall have the wellspring." I think the only part to him that I didn't like was the bit where he has the the no, uh, please do not think in my presence. And then at the end, he's like, "Please, oh Grillo, number one of my generals, tell me, is purple a fitting color for me?" And I'm like, "Oh, he doesn't. He didn't need that. That we didn't need that bit of him showing like a, a, a vanity or something. He had already established himself fully as a villain." Yeah, I mean, it doesn't. <laughs> that isn't for establishing a villain. That's just him being weird. Yes, I'm sure. Because <laughs> his villain stuff is like, oh, anytime I'm in front of anyone, I have to be as loud and crazy as possible. Yeah. But then as soon as he gets into like his bed chambers and it's only like him and a couple other people, he is just the pranciest, weirdest little guy yeah. who's just having a great fucking time. Lipstick only on one lip. So good. Yeah, I'm just I'm just grumpy because he's just not. They, they they seem to be doing a couple of little bits, hints here here and there that he's like a villain because he's a little on the queer side. Yeah, he's definitely and, a little queer coded. And you know, I I because we're reading fucking Rogue Planet right now, where the villain is gay from space, but it's fine because he rules. 
Um, except the whole deal in this is him having a very uncomfortable feeling relationship with Alicia and also Spider-Woman Barbarocious. Barbarocious uh, is amazing. Barbarocious, yeah. great. Barbarocious is a name that needs to be on like a Pirates of the Caribbean themed roller derby team. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I know that's an extremely narrow band of concept, but there if you're are out like there. There's five or six out there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, his other henchmen being Mantos and Dullard. Hey, one of them is Pintel from the. Uh, yeah, the Mantos is straight up grumpy from Ever After. Yeah, or, or, or Pintel from uh, the Pirates movies. He's yeah, he, uh, speaking you know, of the Pirates movies. Yeah, you know, uh, Rigetti and Pintel, those two pirates, and one's got the wooden eye. He's the one that doesn't have the wooden eye. Yeah. Uh, and Dullard sort of looks like he's, uh, Iggy from the Super Mario Brothers live action movie, <laughs> but he's not. <laughs> anyway, this manuscript, the villain wants and has because, uh, he, this is the last life spring. And once he drains that, then he won't have any more Zubrite or whatever in order to stay young forever. If he doesn't have Zubrium, then uh, he will eventually die. So it is said that the manuscript can take you to another world. And he wants to, I guess the threat is go conquer Earth. Yeah, Not that Earth has any issues. Well, it was probably the best single scene in this was the part where, where it, it leads into the purple part. But I like the part where he's like, hey, there's only how many wellsprings left in this world to his general one. And how long can I live forever if there's no wellsprings left? You can't. And would I voluntarily remain in a world where I couldn't live forever? No. Well, then we're going to open up a portal to a new world, obviously. Now go get me that kid, and he needs to be alive, because when I open the book, it is fully blank, because only the white savior can read this book. Yeah. yeah. And and you, too, as as native Californians, were like, oh, no, he's going to come after our fresh water sources. <laughs> so this is like kind of a thing that you really Yeah, that'll absolutely be... kill us. Yeah. yeah, we'll be fine. We'll happily fight him for Colorado's water. Which oh, is yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> it's not our water. Yeah. <laughs> we're just going to take it from well Arizona. Be. They're not growing anything in a lot of the routes along that water's path anyway. We'll just take it from Arizona. You can tell from their political leadership that they don't actually drink water there anyway. Mm. Oh. Just the Kool-Aid, hey, you know hey. Yeah. I actually just mean the ones who lost to be leaders in Arizona right now. Get out of here, Kerry Lake. Anyway. Anyway. So, Yun comes back, the warriors are reunited, but they have a difference of opinion on what to do. Three of them want to go storm Komodo's castle to just go get the book back. Yeah. Two of them are like, no, we need to stay here and defend our home. We've already seen that Komodo ha knows where we are because we've seen his troops in the area. And also it would be kind of easy to figure out where we are because it's the only place where anything is alive. Yeah. So the two that want to stay back. Lee and Shun. They hang out. They're just like, yeah, fuck you. We're going to stay here. Yeah. Uh, the other three are going to go fuck off and try and get that book. Otherwise known as the stupidest three. Yep, we get Yun uh, and uh, Yi and Chi. Ye. And this is some classic 90s villain nonsense. Yeah. The doofity boofuses. <laughs> <laughs> they stumble into this castle and are like, 
oh, there's the book. It's literally just sitting here in the middle of a room with no one around it. And at least Yun is like, yo, this is way too easy. There's no way we get to do this. And Yee's like, nah, fuck this shit. I'm getting it. Goes to grab it. It's an illusion. Chains fly out from the wall and grab them. Now, we have had the heel turn of Alicia at this point, where Alicia is, we find out, angry because uh, her brother is the one that Yun accidentally killed. So she goes over to Komodo's side and is like, I am angry at the Warriors of Virtue, so I will kill this planet. And everyone on it. Uh Uh-huh. And this is reasonable. And it's not... The weird thing to me is, textually, as far as what was said, it's very clear, like, oh, I'm doing this for vengeance for my brother. That's the only reason I'm doing this. But when she shows up, she has full villain outfit, full villain makeup and hair, and she's, like, gone full villain like mannerisms and she's also like haha yes we'll show them i mean uh, can we also briefly gonna... acknowledge that by full villain makeup and hair what you mean is she switched from her white robe of virtue and purity to a prom dress and a prom updo yeah. from the 90s yes yes they full, used a flat purple iron dress whoever, whoever fixed up her hair for her put her used a flat iron and shit uh, you know you're not going to commit to a global extinction plan and not enjoy it a little yeah, bit. That's yeah, that's fair. You got to you'd be like, "Well, I'm here. I'm not going to not do the cool fashion stuff." The I'm other just weird thing I'm is that point, Go ahead. He gives Zubrium to her. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Here and now I guess you'll be my fucking queen or whatever. You'll live a long time." And it's it's so weird cuz again, that's another thing if she was like, "Oh, I'm doing this cuz I'm I selfishly want to live." There's like four different motivations for her to be here. None of them get expanded on yeah. or really dealt with. The big one is supposed to be that her brother was killed by Yun, so yeah. she's she's been turned for a while now. But this is the first we've ever seen it. She's only been in this village, and it feels like, oh, I guess you joined now because Yun came back. You were fine when he was in self-imposed exile, because then you're like, good, fuck that guy, he's not here. But the second he came back, then it was like, oh, well, if everyone's going to forgive my brother's murder, I might as well do I'll a genocide. The bad guy. Yeah. I didn't even yeah. think that was the case. I thought she had just been an informant for the villain the whole time for what's whatever his name is, Komodo. Komodo. Uh, but basically, at this point, she realizes, oh, Komodo has the book. That means things are probably in motion, which means I should go be in his camp now so that I don't get destroyed or whatever. That was my read on it, but who knows? And she also has this weird relationship with Ryan where... Like, when they first meet, and she's very like, oh, you remind me of my brother, very nice and friendly. And then for a bit after she turns, she's like, ha-ha, I've captured you, Ryan. Yeah, I was evil the whole time. Now I shall train you as one of mine. And he's like, what? No. And then as soon as Ryan is in danger, she's like, no, don't hurt Ryan. Run. This isn't what I wanted. And I'm like, but it seems exactly like what you wanted. What the fuck is going on here? It does seem like the screenwriters just kind of lost interest. In- they really lost the thread on several characters. I mean, you can tell they lost interest in her because the moment she does that whole like, no, please don't hurt Ryan. She is unceremoniously killed. <laughs> just murdered by the film. Murdered by Barbarossius, who I'm now realizing not only is a great name for a roller derby person, but also for like 
a new lead singer for Guar. <laughs> a great name for a sauce. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm fine with yeah, that. Yeah, one of the yeah. mother sauces. Barbarocious. Barbarocious, yes. <laughs> uh, because Barbarocious was very uh, protective of Komodo. Yeah. And very jealous because when Komodo and Alicia make out at one point. Oh, that is unpleasant. Is, yeah, that is a very unpleasant thing because she looks to be like 17 and he is Robert the Bruce. <laughs> and also they're like, they're doing like porn makeouts. You know that yeah. weird kissing that no one in our, on earth has ever done where they're like, let's see if we can get our tongues to touch from like way out here. It's bad. And I know that the, this is what the director intended, but you don't want to like wake up from kind of drifting off to sleep to that scene. Yeah. It's not a great thing to confront immediately. <laughs> the, the, best thing, the best thing about the scene where the two of them kiss is the li- live Barbarocious reaction. Yes. Because Barbarocious clearly has a crush on our Komodo villain. And so when, when the two, when he's like, I'm going to make out with the woman you thought was your friend. And then you see, you see uh, Barbarocious just be like what the fuck is that oh, okay well she's on my death list then yeah and so the second she is like oh don't hurt ryan and goes to grab uh komodo then she's just like oh this is my chance and stabs her with her finger blades in the back and just murders her just mur- she's not the rest of the movie i mean she doesn't die she does survive does she oh okay yeah. i thought she was down Nah, man she just gets put on a bed and she's she's she goes to a farm upstate and she definitely oh, that's survived right. I that remember fall now they stuck out her of, on a bed a lot of room to run. she fell about 20 meters on the yeah. concrete uh-huh. and she's fine now i'm sure she's just fine <laughs> gonna gonna show, swear revenge against wraith squadron <laughs> uh, references to another of our shows anyway uh he sends a shitload of troops to go capture everyone in town and because he has already gotten the other three even though they escape uh it's only two warriors of virtue and they can't stop an entire army i have a little help from the rhino and water buffalo that are also in town Oh hell yeah dude uh the rhino and the water buffalo rule and there are bebop and rocksteady but they're good guys (laughs) yeah uh but everyone gets captured except for of course our warriors of virtue uh, Master Chung gets murked by Komodo. Yep. In a uh, cool scene. That's a good fight scene because yeah. it's, it's no, nobody's in the kangaroo outfit. Exactly. So they can actually, yeah, they have two guys that can actually fight. Well, sort of Robert, the Bruce can't really do any of his, he's, he's choreographing is mostly like this guy's not a martial artist. Give him a stupid sword. They can swing around. Yes. This is me being disappointed that I didn't get to make it to the other apparently good action sequence in the film. (laughs) You missed that one? That can't be the last couple of minutes, the death of of Master Chung. Really? Yeah, Master Chung. This might have been a part that I fell asleep for. Okay, that's 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 fair. 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 Yeah, I was in and out. We're not not putting a lot. screaming, baby. (laughs) We're really not putting a lot of of heavy lifting on you here after all. This was very late in the game for you to jump on an episode. Warriors of Virtue. (laughs) But he remembers the name which is good because when i tried to buy the the uh, movie to watch it on amazon i accidentally bought the sequel to this oh yeah there is a a straight to video sequel for this because it did not do well warriors of virtue return to tau or something like that Uh and i bought it and had to refund it because i I did i luckily noticed the name before i pressed play so i could refund it Uh. i wanted my two dollars (laughs) back but this is a important point when komodo kills master chung because after he does it he is extremely weak and like crawling on the ground after having done this because we find out that murder drains your tongue. Yeah. Oh my God. Does this thing ever get heady towards the end where, where you have, where 
when Master Chung is explaining how powers work to Ryan, and he's, he's like, like, there's positive Kung and negative Kung. Yeah, so if we spray you with this pink Kung, then... <laughs> if, I, if I get my Kung in your eyes, I'm very sorry. <laughs> I feel very good. <laughs> <laughs> but the end result is that he needs to get... Like, basically, when we finally get any page of the stupid Tao book to be readable, it just says, like, if all five of the the kangaroos do their positive kung five, at the same time. Five virtue become one positive, positive kung. kung. And he just yells that at them. Like, I'm going to give away the climax of this movie because it's fucking stupid. He just, he they're all being beaten by this wizard. And then he goes, oh, wait a minute. The wizard's used his power to kill. He's weak right now. No, no. Five become one positive kung. And they're like, ah. Let's use our medallions that we've never fucking mentioned before. Oh, shit. We should have used the thing that lets us win. Oh, God, shit. We can. God damn it. Oops. Stupid. Let our powers uh, combine. Yeah. I thought we were going to get like a weird giant kangaroo five is one thing, but they just disappear and then like a laser beam hits the guy. Uh, they would have had to pay a lot of money for a giant but robot. But it's not even that. Oh, I realized that he is weak. It's he's like, oh, killing makes you weak. And so trying to kill someone will weaken you. So he says, hey, if I become one positive Kung, fuck this dude. Here's the secret to beat him. And then lets Komodo do his like air slash with the sword to kill him. Yes. So that it to will weaken, weaken him. him. Yeah. And then while he's weakened from having killed Ryan, they can beat him. Yeah. Now, Ryan does not die immediately. No. He but, takes his but sweet again, time. I, I can't stress this enough that we have these five martial art kangaroos who all, all have signature weapons and everything. And it's like this movie went through the seasons of the Ninja Turtles animated series at the, the original one, the 80s one, at the same speed, at a higher speed. Because in that show, they all started with their original weapons and everything. But by like the second or third season, they had gotten enough complaints from like various mom groups and so on that like. Mikey had to use a grappling hook instead of nunchucks because they couldn't use real weapons against people anymore. Yeah. So here we're like, can we, these guys just fuck this guy up with their swords and sparklers and so on? No, they all have amulets now. And if their amulets touch, the bad guy gets, gets disappeared. Yeah, a, a laser shows up and then hits the bad guy. Yeah. And doesn't even like drop him. The laser hits him. He floats into the air and bright light emits from him and he explodes yeah, I thought he just went to like the the local re- equivalent of an underworld or something. No, but he, he comes gets back Isekai'd he somewhere else. Yeah, no, he comes back here. So they blow him up, but they apparently blew up the bad form of him. Yeah, because when he back shows back up, blank. he's just like, "Hi, where am I? I'm. I guess I'm lost. Where is my home?" And they're like, "You are home, son." And they just gaslight the bad guy and go like, "You're my child. Yeah, you're my best friend, Komodo." And he's like, oh, cool, that sounds nice. So their superpower was to amnesia him and teleport him to another room in the in the same building. Yeah. Great. Uh, With their amulets, which again, they never mentioned before. No, this is brand new for the very end. Ryan, while dying, is just like, hey, I, I guess I learned a good lesson here. I've learned the power of positive Kung or whatever the fuck. <laughs> I'm sure that'll be really applicable to my daily life because... As you know, I uh, I have four friends, and each of us represent the different Chinese elements. Uh, I I like to consider myself a metal, and you know because he's, he has the strongest friendship out of all of these kangaroos with Yi, the silent one. Yeah, Yi, and of course, the second you introduce a character who's like, he has decided not to speak for many years. You're like, oh, you're gonna say something at the end. Yeah, that's what your thing is. I was kind of disappointed that he did, but he does go, thank you. 
And everyone's like, oh, shit, he said something unpredictable. I really hate that they they had to highlight it. I thought, you know, we already know this character is a sworn avowal of silence, and they have used him consistently throughout the movie to just do slapstick whine noises when scary things happen. There's a part where they fall down the an upside-down version of the Wonka fizzing lifting drink room. Yep. Uh, like, basically, they're just falling into a blender, and he's the one closest to the blades, and he's just keep going, to be like, hmm, 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 and that kind of thing. He's sworn a vow of no talkie. He's not a vow of silence. Yes. Not um, a vow of dignity. He can grunt, <laughs> yeah. But at the end, he just goes, thank you. And I was like, that's good enough. You know, everyone could just sure. be like, oh, not a pre-. Instead, they have to be like, oh, he spoke. Despite the vow of silence, he swore to never do the thing that is speaking. But he said it to you because you're so brave and about to die. And so special and white. <laughs> you're so special and so pale. So very pale. <laughs> you're so white and have such a middle part. You are so great. <laughs> I bet your middle name is Zach. <laughs> but as he nods off from dying, he then just reappears in his body seconds before he made the decision to go across the pipe. And at that point, he's like, no way, drugs are for losers or whatever the fuck, and <laughs> throws the can into the whirlpool and is like, I have self-respect. No cool kid needs to do crack, that's whack, yo, <laughs> and then leaves <laughs> the with The cartoon all-stars came to my rescue. <laughs> yeah. And then he turns and walks off, and the girl who he had a crush on from the bad guy group is like, yeah, and she goes with him. Good job. And again, come on, Sonic the Hedgehog and Garfield. Self-respect. Let's go. <laughs> come on, Alf. We're going. <laughs> I ate the cat. <laughs> Why is Miss Piggy here? I feel like she'd be pro-drugs. <laughs> I am. <laughs> well, I'm just won't. trying to score them. I'll become pro-drugs when I'm an adult, but I'm baby Miss Piggy. <laughs> uh, and that- No, bro. They can only afford two of us Ninja Turtles. <laughs> <laughs> And not the good ones. <laughs> we'll not say which one they, they are. <laughs> anyway, that is the end. We, he just walks away and leaves yeah, Brad on the other side. And everyone's like, fuck you, Brad. We yeah. never liked your which shit is weird, anyway. I was like, if I'm going to die, guys. Like, I was like, if this kid learned a lesson, the first thing he should do upon coming back is be like, hey, Brad, come back over real quick before the water destroys the pipe. Be like, I'm a good guy now because I've learned the, the virtue of benevolence. Of course, like, I literally met a guy named Virtue of Benevolence. He doesn't know the pipe is going to be destroyed. He got hit by water and slammed into a whirlpool. He doesn't know. I guess that's fair. I, but he we also do have one final scene of him at home in his bed being very wise and sagacious while talking to his mom, who does four takes of looking back at him to confirm that he is indeed very wise for his years before she finally leaves the room. And then he talks to his dog again who I guess I still in the movie and goes, hey, my dog, would you like to learn about the wisdom of Tao? And then we get credits. Hey, dog, I've got some literature for you. And the dog was like, no, thanks. I'm good. I don't want to be in your cold. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fucked up. I'm uh, good. I draw the line at bringing you toast. <laughs> okay, let's go ahead and get into our bests and worsts for the warriors of virtue. <laughs> I mean, we should let James go first. He's got the right of guest in Nocta, so he can take all the choreography from the Ooh, kitchen. Yeah, exactly. That was literally it. <laughs> yeah, what, what is the best <laughs> thing in Warriors of Virtue? It was that one little scene, that cool, like, oh, this is a Hong Kong action movie. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. My favorite thing to do is to give someone else the first thing and then immediately predict the thing it is so it ruins it for them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'll say because that was ruined for me, exactly. the best thing 
is this kid definitely remembers his own death. And I feel like that is a shadow that hangs over the end of this movie. It's, I mean, it's gotta be wild because you don't even have, like in The Wizard of Oz, yeah. where you're like, oh, this plausibly could have just been a dream. Yeah. He's like, oh no, I died and then immediately snapped back to reality. Whoop, Whoop there, there goes, goes gravity. gravity. And mom's spaghetti. He's like, I remember I didn't death. actually eat mom's spaghetti because it, it was, was awful gross. and stuck together. Mom's lasagna. <laughs> Mama's lasagna. <laughs> Mama spaguccia. <sighs> Kung all over this spagooch. Oh. So, what was your favorite thing, Jeff? <laughs> and don't say Kung. He was definitely all that positive Kung all over the place. Uh, I mean, I feel like my favorite thing was the side characters of the water buffalo and the rhino. Oh, sure. There's a scene where one of them, in in fear from the soldiers, swan dives off a bridge and misses the water by a solid three or four feet and just face plants onto the ground, uh-huh. which is a great bit of slapstick. Uh-huh. We also have a bit between the two of them where the rhino is not well rigged for speaking, but the water buffalo is. And so they work with that and have a scene where the water buffalo will not start prattling at the rhino while they're trying to fish while accusing him of talking too much. Yeah. And I like that. Plus, the final scene with them, where the two of them have their big hero turn moment, where they're like, wait, you need all these soldiers in this room beat up? Let's high five and then fucking charge all over the room because we are a rhino and a water buffalo and just knock everyone on their asses. I was like, these characters get a whole arc. Yeah. Yeah. Good for them. Yeah. So that's my that was my favorite bit. They're neat. Awesome. What was your favorite thing? Uh, I mean... I, someone should take Komodo as well. I mean, Komodo, honestly, the villain work in that he... Choose every scene to the maximum. He, I loved Komodo every time he showed up because he was just loud and weird, and I loved it. Actually, boys, I refuse to take Komodo because drugs aren't cool. <laughs> yeah, don't get hooked on Zubium, kids. This is the 90s. Yeah, it's the 90s. The healthy thing is not to, to get high on Zubium. It's to eat a healthy big bowl of nipples in the morning. <laughs> No, you'll go to jail for that. <laughs> if you're an adult. Only if they catch you. <laughs> if, if Cop didn't see it. I didn't eat it. <laughs> if you put a little cloth over your head. <laughs> God can't see me eat this bowl of nipples. <laughs> James, what was the worst thing in this movie? Uh, I'm going to say the racism. It's... <laughs> Is that what you're going to go with? Yeah. I mean, like, and and we know that uh, this is a complicated racism sandwich where you have creators who are from the culture that they are trying to, you know, share something or, or explain something about to the world. And they've chosen to do it through this medium of magical animals that are a fighting force. Um, and you've got the director who is like trying to express that, but in between you've got some white screen writers and it shows, it shows in how they address these characters and address these points. Yeah, and it also, makes it worse. I would love to make, uh, to say that for the sequel, only the writers came back. <laughs> oh, woof. Yep. Even those four surgeons weren't part of no, this anymore. Uh, they they produced it, and Ronnie Yu directed it. Neither of those people came back, but boy, did one of the screenwriters go, yeah, I'll, I'll pump another one of these out for you. Doofa, doofa. Jeff, uh. your least favorite thing. Um, I mean, ultimately, it's going to be any scene where the kid is weirdly speaking in full philosophy mode. <laughs> And, and <laughs> instead of saying things like, like, there's a part where he watches, he is absolutely certain that he watched Alicia die. 
Yeah, sure. he is quite certain she dies. And so he runs away from the castle in the confusion, hides in the woods, pretty much right where he got teleported in and is crying to himself. And I was like, OK, he saw a tough scene, uh, a, a rough situation. Does he whimpering and wanting to go home? No, he said he is saying, I wish I had not seen that to see death will change a person. I cannot be changed by the witnessing of death. Huh? And you're like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, it, it's such <sighs> a weird thing. So I, I'm I'm just gonna say that anytime that it feels like it's just the screenwriters were given the brief of write Taoist philosophy and they were like, all right, we'll just write it for everybody out of everybody's mouth is if everyone here has the exact same knowledge base. Yeah, great, love it. What was your least favorite thing? Oh, if you're so smart, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> it was the part where I was not catered to in any way. Uh, I think. Probably my least favorite thing, if we're going to discount the things that you have both said. Yep. You don't we, have to. We are. We've, we've never said that. No, that's your lot in life. You yeah. went last. Yeah, I know. That's fine. But it's, it's always been okay for us to agree. But for this one, this episode only. Mm -hmm. Fuck you. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, it's very easy for me to say the kangaroo fight scenes are fucking bad. Yeah. They just look bad. Yeah. They stole so much joy from me because they can't show anything. People can't move in these outfits. I do want to say, not only did this get atrocious reviews when it came out, one of the reviewers for a newspaper threw up in the theater because of the way it was shot. Where, oh. Because anytime the kangaroos so are fighting, and they can't show any actual movement so it's fast cuts between like yeah. a fist a leg this guy moving through the air because we had a puppet of him and one of the guys was like i literally cannot handle this they also so. do this thing you only see in cheap action stuff which is chopping up the frame rate to to, to simulate slow motion mm -hmm. yeah that is really disorienting and ugly it yeah, so never the, looks good the fucking fight scene with the actual warriors of virtue were so bad and it's because it is the first two scenes we see are two scenes with an actual dude in a restaurant doing rad shit. Yeah. And then you're like, and now these assholes. Yeah. And then it, it doesn't, it's a mixed blessing to point out that it, they're ballsy to include a female, one of the kangaroos. Because, you know, the Ninja Turtles didn't try that until fucking Venus. And we, yeah, but they, they didn't have five of them. Yeah. yeah, so but uh, they did when they got Venus. But Power Rangers gave you two girl ones. But, but yeah, but Shun creepy looking because they tried to make her a little more human than the other ones they gave her like less kangaroo brown and they didn't give her the five o'clock muzzle shadow which makes her ultimately far creepier than the others so and not now, a lot to like for this movie no <laughs> which uh i'll go ahead and say why don't you james Ooh. give us a rating for this movie out of 10. Out of out of 10. Out of 10, uh, because you're okay. not included in our rating. You're not part of the club. Uh, yeah. We're messing up the Scorigami. Now, if you want to be part of the club, Scorigami. there is this whirlpool I know. <laughs> you might get isekai. I did parkour. I can cross that fucking pipe. No problem. <laughs> also, yeah. there is a the chain fence that Brad goes up to. He's like, you got to help me out. I'm like, that goes around the pool. You could just like... Grab onto the chain link fence and just sort of crawl across. Yeah, no, so he, he doesn't have the action button for that. So in accordance no, with the way that we do every one of these shows, if you could give us your score from zero to ten, mm -hmm. uh, tell us if you were a virtue, what you would be the virtue of. Ooh. Tell us also, what your weapon is. And also what your weapon is. And your element. Okay, yeah. great, 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 great. All right. Um, so I think out of ten, I'm going to give this a four. I, I, I feel like that's what it deserves. It is not good. 
but it is watchable. Right. Um, but it Fair. is also not so bad that it is really fun to watch on its own. Again, uh, I, I think I said this at the beginning. This is something, if you were to revisit a bunch of movies that are in this vein, I think it is worth being entered into that canon uh, and might be worth a watch for that. But for just watch there are worse and more fun movies. Yeah, it's, it is definitely interesting in the time period and the fact that there are other movies like this. So watching it in context, an interesting section of that to see. But yeah, for just hanging out and be like, I want to have a good time watching a thing. Well, don't watch this then. Yeah, it's not good for like a bad movie night. It's too close to being competent. Yeah. It's it's in a weird yeah. liminal space between absolute disaster and an okay film where it's not fun to watch. You're just you're just left with knowing like this could have been more fun. Yeah. Yeah. And what's your uh, what's your virtue? Uh my virtue uh You want me to list the 5? No, no, it's a new one. Oh, horny. Oh, there we go. Virtue great. horny. Horny is a virtue. Great. Horny's yeah. the virtue. Virtue yeah. of prurience. Pur- yeah. Uh it's um uh, horn uh maybe it's uh no, no, we're gonna go with, with horniness. I okay, feel like good. that is a virtue now. Sure, great. that's fair. That's a virtue, and there's gotta be an element attached to it and Kung. that pre kung. <laughs> pre kung pre kung. <laughs> pre kung daddies. <laughs> Jeff. Oh, I actually kind of think saying, I think the Kung jokes are probably not okay. <laughs> I'm gonna... Hey, I've been the one who's never said cult until just now. I've been very careful to point out that Taoism is a real thing and perfectly fine. Uh, I think Taoism is a real thing and perfectly fine. The way that guy was trying to introduce the philosophy to that child was not okay. All right, that's yeah. fair. There's the thing. You can be a Christian cult. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't no, no, mean Christianity is You're a cult. absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Although it is. Although. Christian listeners. But hey, if you want to come up with something that's. One of you. Please direct your complaints to Jeff. <laughs> yeah. Jeff Stormer. Definitely. Party yeah. of one. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, that's been me the whole time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> same Jeff. Nope. We're all the same. There's just one Jeff. Mm-hmm. It's he when he powers up and grows the extra F. That's when. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm not the powered up version. Fine. No, Whoa. you're not. You've got one F. Yeah, that's fair. It's because I cut the other one off to go faster. Yeah. Look, he got the F out. The other F. Yeah, was, I'm gonna the, steal some yeah. WWE jokes. The other F was just weight belts. And when I dropped them, they com- they impacted the ground all huge. And then you were like, oh shit, now he's going to go real fast. Oh, but now I need to pick a weapon, boys. Yeah, yeah you what's your weapon? weapon? Gun. Gun. <laughs> Good. Pre gun. <laughs> Pre gun daddies. <laughs> Woo! <sighs> Jeff, out of five. <laughs> Two. He's James is dead on. It's not good enough to be a good movie, and it's not bad enough to be a bad movie night movie. Um, it's it's a two. It, it right it, it's right in there. Um, I, I unless you're really interested to see like the evolution of kangaroo man suits over the nineties. Uh, if that if that's like your movie night, I really premise, hope there are more out there. Yeah, I, we got to do a deep. You gonna find the rest that. of them? Yeah, because I know there isn't one in that that movie where the kangaroo kangaroo Jack does not have a man, man kangaroo suit in it, so no. you can't get one from there. And there's a big 90s style revival right now. Let's get more horny kangaroo man movies up there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's a two. That's my answer. Uh, I'm going to go with the virtue of enthusiasm. Great. Because uh, I love to start projects and finishing them is boring and work. And my, <laughs> yeah. And my weapon, 
the humble pen. Ooh, that is mightier Mm. than both of the swords that appeared Mm. in that film. Mm, That's correct. Yeah, Mm. I use my words. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Makes you think. (laughs) John, what about you? Uh, Yeah, I'll give this a two. It's this is definitely a four out of ten. That is fucking nailed it, listeners. Got him. You dead on. Uh, let's see. My virtue is loyalty and I'm earth. I'm an actual warrior of virtue. Go fuck yourself. Woo! You're just loyal to the dogs. This is my promise in one of our conventions in the future. You will see John cosplaying his warrior of virtue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. My warrior virtue OC. Yeah. His warrior. It's going to be a new character because otherwise it's dressed up as Lee and he was the hardest one to dress up as. Actually, I'm going to take that dressed up as Shun if I'm loyalty. Oh, that's right. He was wood. In one of the generic system reviews that System Mastery does, he will build his warrior of virtue OC. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Next time we do. That's a promise to you. Yeah. Next time we do an episode that doesn't have character creation. Yeah. But you'll have to hold our feet to the fire because I have no memory. I was listening to one of our older episodes earlier today because it came on randomly in my podcast feed. And we kept making a joke between you and me about something called me dickies. And I have no idea what the fuck it was because both of us, every time either one of us said it, the other one would stop them and be like, no, we don't have time to explain that. Let's just keep going. (laughs) Here's the thing. Sometimes... Jokes are just for us, and then later, not even for us. Yeah. Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! God bless. Two out of ten. Go to the Patreon Four and get the Four out of ten. Four out of ten. Go to the Patreon to get our TV mastery. <laughs> we have a new season of TV mastery starting up where we are doing a retrospective of live action superhero adaptation TV shows starting way, way back in the 1950s and going through up to the modern day, seeing the evolution and what happened with making the comic book characters come to the small screen. So join us for that at patreon.com slash system mastery. If you join us at the $10 a month level, you unlock all of our bonus content. You unlock the monthly show. You unlock rooms in our discord you get the ad free versions of all of our shows you get a ton of stuff my creep shot footage of them playing video games that's yeah, true that's right, yeah you get the surprising amount of privacy invasion yeah. of james damato yeah mm-hmm. so you'll get my recipe for a big bowl of nipples <laughs> please join us for that more complicated than you think yep <laughs> We will see you in another couple weeks with more Movie Mastery. And until then, all of you have a good one.